0: Welcome back folks. Let me get a grip on lighting podcast. Yeah, that's the vibe of the industry right there. The vibe of the industry. It's vibing. It's vibing with David Nathaniel, Greg. Vibing it out.
1: That's right. Oh, great topic. Good discussion we had with him today about the lighting industry, about management, all sorts of fun.
0: Yeah, it was a good time. And that David's a friend of the show. So it's, I think it's his second or third time being on with us and It's always good to catch up with David because he's always got a lot of irons in the fire. He's kind of like us. He's cooking things up on the side and has a little side hustle and whatever. It's always fun to talk to him. So, David, always a pleasure. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Before we get past anything, though, before we get to anything, we want to keep it easy for you. How do we do that, Greg? We go to KeystoneTechnologies.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. That was so easy.
1: I'm glad you did it because I probably would have screwed it up because I don't do that part too often where I have to read it out. But we talk about today on the show, we're going to talk about not putting all your eggs in one basket and diversifying and growing as a business. And who's done that better than Keystone? I would say really no one. Nobody. It says, you, you'll see on the screen right now, we're probably showing it says it began with ballast. 75 years ago, they said, we're going to be a ballast manufacturer and tell what they are now today is a leader in the lighting industry. LED fixtures, LED tubes, LED kits, LED drivers, everything LED, everything traditional, they've got it all. They are one of the leaders of lighting, and it's because of their strategizing much beyond just ballast. They moved out into everything, and now they're at the top of the game.
0: You know, especially like in the last 10 years, I don't think there's been any company in lighting that's moved as quickly as Keystone.
1: Making it easy moving quickly.
0: Yeah, keep it easy. Of course, you know where it all started for Keystone when they joined the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. Yeah.
1: That's, that's right. not a lie. That's a real deal. I'm telling you.
0: And so they joined Nailed at NAILD.org, and they made a nice five-year commitment to Nailed. Josh Brown and I shook hands on that ourselves. And so from there, the rocket launched. But for right now, we've got David Nathaniel on the Get a Grip on Lining Podcast. Welcome back, David Nathaniel.
2: Thank you. Nice to be back.
0: Yeah, say hello to Greg Eric.
1: <laughs> hey, Greg. How you doing? Hey, good, David. We've got to see you in person someday soon. We'll see when. Open up I, that border. I know.
2: I know. We keep waiting. <laughs>
0: So you reached out to me, a, I guess, a week or two ago and just saying that, you know, you felt it was a good time to come back on the show. And I didn't want to talk about it too much before because i like it to be a surprise. Tell us a little bit about where Ascot Capital Group is now and, and why you wanted to come on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast.
2: Well, I, I just thought it was uh, interesting to see how things have evolved. Uh, on our side, you know, our, our main business was, uh, was a lamp lamp ballast business, which got totally disrupted. Fortunately, I had started uh, Stan Pro Lighting Systems in, uh, in the mid 90s, so uh, I had a fixture business that was on the go and, and I was doing well. And then um, we decided to uh, merge the two businesses together. Uh, we announced it in uh, early 2019 and it's, it's now fully, fully uh, executed and merged together and uh as well in order to uh become less reliant on the lamp business uh you know we started a a um a strategy of doing acquisition and so we've uh, we've done three acquisitions in the last 3 years and so now as a goal as a as a group uh i think we're you know well positioned uh in the lighting industry i think we're not too dependent uh in in any one area. And and so I think it's, it's a very healthy way to, you know, to move forward.
0: And so you're, you're diversifying your business, but you're staying in lighting primarily. Have you done anything outside of the lighting business?
2: No, uh, we're really in lighting. Uh, although I, I have aspirations of, of getting uh, into electrical products as well, because it's the same industry. Sure. Same same uh, specifiers, same distributors, same contractors.
1: What about tape? That
2: was your big thing
1: <laughs> last time we talked.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tape's,
1: that tape, tape is still
2: there. Uh, albeit, uh, we're not doing as much tape business as we, as we used to do. We've seeded, okay. we've seeded that to a lot of other competitors, but you know, lighting is where our, our focus is
1: this point. So I'm looking at the different companies at stand, Standard Products, a, Aimlight, Lumen Trust, is it Big and Gabriel Scott?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. And why did you decide to diversify into those businesses three years ago? What, what was it? Because of the advent of LED or where were you at? Yeah.
2: So, uh, you, know, we, in, you know, we had a, a very significant lamp business, which Basically, for the most part, went away. I mean, it's it's a fraction of what it, what it used to be, and um, and so uh, you know we needed to to uh, to become less dependent on that. So so um, uh, you know the first of all we the stamp pro business as I said we had started in the mid 90s and that got us into the fixture business. I ran it as two separate businesses. Uh, and then the guys running Stanpro started up a company called Aimlight in the mid two thousands, and um, primarily in emergency lighting, but also in uh, in some uh, general industrial lighting. And then um, uh, and we acquired Bigelli two years ago, which is uh, we acquired excuse me we acquired the Canadian division of Bigelli, which is a large Italian public corporation. So we bought their Canadian business which is primarily emergency lighting as well as some industrial lighting and so that was obviously uh, you know gave us a a really good position in emergency in Canada and uh, and it was a business we were already doing so a lot of synergies uh, between the businesses and then um, we acquired uh, Lumen Trust a year prior to that which was in the uh, linear architectural business, uh, lighting business. So, um, you know, that, that was a bit of a twist. It took us into a highly specified product range. Uh, they do a lot of business in the US. They do uh, fair business in Canada. And then finally, Gabriel Scott, which is uh, also um, architectural uh, luxury brand, high-end decorative lighting. And they are um, doing most of their work uh, with designers and architects, and uh, in primarily in the U.S. and in 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 the in Europe via uh, the UK.
1: So with this, I mean, the kind of all of these companies. It sounds like you have some that are Canada, some that go into the U.S. a little bit. But why does a company like Begelli have a Canadian division? What's the purpose of that? Isn't Begelli Begelli, and that's it? Do we need to separate Canada out from the rest? Where does that come into play? Well, I mean, structurally,
2: Big Ellie has, uh, has divisions all over the world. And uh, the Canadian business was one of their divisions. And they decided to divest of it. And so we acquired it. So that was really their decision on how they wanted to structure. But um, they made yeah. the decision guys, to sell off the Canadian business. Yeah.
1: Sure. Uh, do you guys... Uh... Do all of your businesses get into the U.S. market or have you attempted or where are you at on that? I know at one point that's where I saw you was at a few trade shows and things, but where are you at with that? Yeah.
2: So, so um, prior to the merger standard uh, was attempting to enter the U.S. market um, via Chicago. We have a we had a distribution center. But uh, anyway, long story short, uh, it was very difficult to enter uh, the market. The. Um, Distributors clearly have more choices than they need. Uh, agents are hard to find; they're, you know, very conflicted, and also they're they're clearly um, happy with, or for the most part, happy with who they have. So it was uh, it was tough slugging, and and we we came to the conclusion that trying to do this organically was was going to be a problem. So we we basically stopped the effort um, earlier. Around mid 2020. So right now, right now the businesses doing that are working in the U.S. are, are Gabriel Scott. They have a showroom in New York City, and uh, Lumen Trust um, is doing a fair bit of business in the U.S. And then the the Stanpro Standard business is does a little bit, but it's really just opportunistic.
0: The I, when I first met you many years ago probably 20 years ago or something like that. There was a legend that you looked over every invoice that Standard Products sent out and, and that was the, that you, you had your finger in every operation, every point of the business and you were very hands on. And now that you're, you're, you know, you're running a, a, a capital management group and you're, you, what has changed for you as an executive from those days? when you're so hands on and you're so into the day to day operations of standard products to now when you're acquiring other businesses, you, you can't be doing stuff like that. You gotta have a plan, you gotta have a strategy, you gotta have a, you gotta be able to deploy human resources. What's changed in you personally, David, that allowed you to make that transition?
2: Well number one, I really enjoy like as as time has evolved I've come to really enjoy the strategic side of business uh, as opposed to the operational side of business. So, so for me, it's natural uh, to uh, to go in that direction. As the you know, as the businesses have grown. So, if I take Standard, which I which I ran uh, and grew um, over time, as the business was getting bigger, I had to delegate. So, I learned how to delegate even on an operational side. Uh, of things, over time, and then it was uh, got to the point where I learned how to lead as opposed to you know doing, and so you know we have a pretty good structure in place now. At from an Ascot perspective, we've kind of created our own sort of ecosystem where we have a monthly review. Each business has a monthly review, and we invite the other business leaders to join in. Uh, to that review, and then what happens is there's a lot of collaboration, and there's a lot of information sharing, and uh, and it brings benefits uh, to to all the businesses that are involved. So for me, it's it's just been really natural and 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 not difficult. The, the harder part was when I was in the operating side of the business was delegating, but I learned how to do that over the years, and so now it's it's become quite natural, and I have a better, you know, work life balance and I, you know, I stay at a certain level so so I don't have to get into the fray and it's for me I find it very enjoyable.
0: The 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 timing right now. So we're, you know, everyone knows what's happening right now. It's it's, it's February 2021. So everyone knows where we're at. Do you think it's a good time to make acquisitions and to try to grow your business or is it more of a better time to hunker down?
2: Um, I if you would have asked me that in, you know, in March or April, I probably would have said hunker down because frankly, we were, you know, we were in shock, you know, with, with the impact of the pandemic, didn't know what we were going to do, didn't know if our customers were going to pay their bills. We had no idea if, if, you know, the sky was falling or not. So definitely, you know, it took us. Took us about six weeks, six to eight weeks to sort of, and I'm, I'm probably the same for for most businesses. It took us, uh, you know, that time period to try to to realize that okay, life was going to go on. We had to make some changes. We had to protect the business. Um, you know, we had to take care of our employees, and 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 then just sort of see how things. Keep your foot on the gas. Keep your foot on the brake, and and sort of just you know adjust. I would say now, a year later, I think it's a good time, not saying it's a better time than it was a year than, say, two years ago, but I think it's a good time um, to move forward. I think we've learned that we can manage a business in a period of crisis and manage it fairly well. And so that gives us a lot of confidence uh, moving forward. And I think there are I think there's, there's potentially more opportunities today from an acquisition standpoint than there might have been before, because typically the businesses we're looking at are, are sort of uh, owner-operated uh, businesses, and uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs in their, you know, maybe in their early 60s or in their 60s or 70s um, might have come to the conclusion that, that this instability is just not worth it. And maybe they're better to just, if they don't have a succession in place, maybe it's better to just exit and and be safe and sort of enjoy life. Uh, so I don't know if that's the case, but I definitely think it probably had an impact.
1: When you look at the businesses that you have purchased and you mentioned the owner-operator thing, is it is it important when you're doing this that you keep that owner-operator on or does it depend on the business and you cut those people right away or do they have a certain amount of time that you need them there to really keep it going
2: yeah so the owner operator is very important so we've we maintained the uh, the uh, in, in some cases the owner has maintained some equity uh, in the business in other cases they haven't uh, but basically yes they're running the business as usual but now they have a lot more um, let's just say a, a much stronger structure and foundation On the financial side, they have uh, much better controls, much better reporting. Uh, They have uh, access to capital that they didn't have before. So more working capital available to them. And then um, sort of on the operational side, best practices, uh, they have uh, a lot of support, whether it be sourcing or production. Um, For example, we have Stanpro has an SMT shop so we make our own boards or we populate our own boards so that helps out some of the other businesses uh just just really sharing ideas uh relationships uh taking advantage of relationships all that but but the intent really is that for every business to be run independently and uh and to succeed in in that in that respect
1: is there any instances and there's got to be where a couple of your companies can compete for the same sale i mean you guys have similar products on some of these so does that happen yeah. ever
2: it happens and we're what are we four four or five companies there's like there's no shortage of competitors in the lighting industry so it's it's you know it is what it is i wouldn't say i'd say the the bigger overlap really is really with stan pro aimlight and bigelli because they're uh they're all in Canada, they're all more or less in similar product, and uh, but it's the strength of their sales network, so the uh, either the agents or the direct sales forces that are getting them into projects, getting specified,
1: and, and winning the business. And as you have taken over some of these companies and you kept the owner-operator, has it been a difficult for some to transition to your model of business or are, are you having to hire new employees that fit what you guys are trying to do or has it been pretty uh smooth in terms of that
2: no it's been pretty smooth it's been pretty smooth i mean not we don't have 20 examples of it we have three examples yeah. of it but it's been it's been pretty smooth the uh, i think that the they're really happy the guy like I said, Lumen Trust eric is super happy, Eric and, and Anthony are super happy with the support they've, they've received, their ability to grow the business um, and have the support to do that. I'd say the same thing for, well, Gabriel Scott's really new, but um, clearly they've already identified a ton. We did a strategic planning initiative with them so now they have a much clearer idea of, of what to focus on going forward. They're getting help on sourcing. They're getting help on on um, on HR, on finance, uh, um, on some of the uh, on the production, a little bit of uh, production methods and whatnot. So it's they're they're it's still new, but they're very excited to have the uh, the support. And I guess in a year from now we'll see whether they felt that they got. Uh, they got what they wanted, but I think they will, because we're we're yeah. we're you know we're pretty happy with how we support the businesses.
1: And you mentioned so you did some strategic planning. How the hell do you do that right now? Give us a breakdown, because we're ready.
2: Not that hard. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, so uh, it's if you break it down. So a strategic plan basically you 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 uh, conclude on a few strategies. So ideally, not too many. So let's say maximum five. And then every strategy has a number of tactics associated with it. And every tactic has basically an owner and a delivery date. Uh, So if I take an example, let's say, Greg, let's say for you, your strategy is, I don't know, your strategy is to get into UV lighting, Okay, That's one of your strategies. Okay, so what are the tactics? Okay, so one of the tactics might be you need to research vendors uh, that could support you in that initiative. Okay, and then okay, who's going to own that? So say Jim owns that. He's got to deliver that by you know by March thirtieth, and basically he goes out and does the work and then brings all that information back to you. And now. There'll be other tactics, obviously. Then if you want to do it, then how are you going to market it and launch it and so on and so forth. So that's how a strategic plan works. Um, and uh, and what it allows you to do is really look at your business, look at uh, what are your – so you typically start with a, with a squat, so your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and then you narrow it down. You'll eventually get to the strategies that make the most sense for you and then you come up with the tactics, and and then you and then what's very important is you track. So we're tracking every month. We have like a green light, red light, yellow light. So if things are coming in on time, then they're green. If they're a little slow, but they're coming, they're yellow. And then if like nothing's happening, then they're red. And then you know typically you take you take the uh, the steps necessary to mitigate that.
0: Your, your uh, planning is much more sophisticated than Greg and I's.
2: Well, it's not yeah. that sophisticated. No, no, it's here, just a it, matter of taking time to, sit, to
0: take it. Yeah. Greg ahead. and I have four things that we do, okay? So the first thing we do is we get it going, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Get it going. And then you after you get it going and it's a going concern, maybe it makes some money or whatever, then you keep it going. And you find people to run it for you. And then you say, what's next to add to this? And then after that, you say, what's the plan for it? Are you going to sell it? Are you going to expand it? Are you going to do something different? So that's, that's how we kind of plan it out. When we, everything with Get a Grip on Lighting from the beginning was about get it going, keep it going. What's the plan? What's next? And that's how we kind of think about it in our heads because everything we do right now, we have to start it and that's that's where you've gone from you've gotten out of that, and that's why I'm very interested in 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 understanding that more from my own development like I've started multiple companies over my career, and uh you know I still manage them every day and there's a I have a little bit of envy for you and even the podcast and i'm I'm involved in everything all the time, but there's a sense in which that a certain amount of maturity a certain amount of letting go there's an um a certain amount of delegation that you talked about that you can learn as a manager, that you learn to trust people, you learn to delegate to them effectively to give them reasonable deliverables and this sort of stuff allows you to expand beyond that four-pack that we have, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> into, into something a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, but I, I had a f- I have a feeling that it was a transition for you too, David. You talked about sort of it was a slow growth over the course of a career Um, Do you have much further to go? Do you see even higher places that you can go with this kind of a strategy where you can become even better at deploying? Because what you're doing now is you're not managing companies. You're deploying your capital effectively within an industry that you know well. Is that a good way to describe it?
2: Uh, I think I'm deploying capital, but I'm also deploying know-how.
0: Ah, okay, yeah.
2: Right? So, like I said, we have a bit of a... Internal ecosystem amongst the different businesses, that, and they're all supporting and helping each other out. And then, sort of at the back end, you know, Ascot's helping on the finance, on the HR side, and on the IT side. So that's kind of the structure. So I think um, totally, uh, I um, I have aspirations to continue growing the businesses that we have in our portfolio organically, and as well as to make strategic acquisitions either. In lighting, hopefully, in electrical at some point in time and uh, and and again, supporting the businesses that join to uh to be successful so it, it, you know that's that's kind of where we're going
0: let's talk about let's change gears a little bit here. I want to talk about sure. some of the carnage that's been in the news recently um, I don't know how closely you follow the lighting news. I mean, obviously, there's Edison Report, there's Inside Lighting, there's Lighthead, sure. there's different places you can get information. But no matter which one you go to, it's all loaded with this company laid off this many hundreds of people, that company laid off that many hundreds of people. This is a, a, a very unique time. How much more carnage do you see before people start talking about growth now there is a few growth stories out there in the uv sector there are people in the health and wellness and that kind of circadian lighting talking about growth but i'm not sure how much they're actually selling okay so but how long do you think before we get out of this phase of shrinking and layoffs and mergers and acquisitions and that sort of stuff how long do you think this is going to last for
2: that's a that's a tough question. Uh, we're in a very fragmented industry. There's way too many players that are in this industry. From, I mean, look, uh, you know, China, China is where the majority of, of the products are manufactured. I, I know there's Vietnam and Mexico and whatnot, but China is a major factor, and and the Chinese are 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 clever and they're smart and they've, they, they have learned how to bring their products direct uh, into many markets, including North American markets and uh, either through partners or either directly. So you know, it's, it's really created a, almost a commoditization of the lighting business. And um, so I, I don't think we're going to have a lot of stability. Until, until the market cleans itself up. And what that, that means is where there's a good balance between demand and supply. Because right now, if anything, because of COVID, there's, there's the, a decline in the amount of demand, but there's certainly no shortage in the amount of supply that's out there. So I think it just, I have no, no idea what the time frame is. All I know is you know, we're trying to run our business as well, do the right thing. And hopefully, you know, hopefully these, these uh, macro trends will will happen over time. But it's tough, I don't know. It's a tough, tough is a tough business. There's no question about it. It's a tough industry. Mind you, a lot of people tell me their industries are, are just
1: as tough, so. Now there's, uh, there's been a lot of talk and there's been letters that are coming in about price increases. You said that getting the supply is not a problem. What, why are we getting all these price increases? And I mean, I know freight, right? Shipping. Are rate, wages going up? Where are we at with it? And what is your thoughts on the price increase?
2: Okay. Well, when when I said there was a there was definitely a, a you know too much supply, and I was talking more about companies in the lighting business. In terms of supply chain, there are there are many things impacting the supply chain. Um, number one is uh, uh, there must be a, a massive amount of demand prior to Chinese New Year to the extent that it's very difficult to get space on the shipping vessels so we've already had a few situations now where our containers have got bumped and we have to wait you know five, ten, fifteen days to get on another vessel and uh, w- which never ever happened before the price of the prices have skyrocketed. Uh, in terms of you know, I don't remember. I don't know what the, I haven't been involved, but I've heard, uh, you know, a forty-foot container, is probably double the price of what it was two years ago, and, and in some cases more than that if you're that desperate to get your your containers on a shipping vessel. The uh, on the electronic side, again, there must be just massive demand for certain electronic components, and so there's the lead times. Typical lead time that used to be maybe four or five weeks is now you know 22 weeks, so you know you have to plan for that, and it's and it and that's creating supply chain issues. So 22 um, weeks. That's crazy. Certain <laughs> electronic components. Yes. Wow. Yes. Uh, and I'm not that familiar with it, but that I I read an email the other day from someone in our one of our companies saying that the lead time it was for a. I think it was for uh for an emergency lighting um uh circuit board uh component that goes on and and it was that kind of a lead time. So um yeah, so I mean so certainly freight freight has gone up and um and also there's been a devaluation of the um of the RMB and the and the uh US dollar. So what's happened now is that the uh the uh, Chinese vendors are having to raise their U.S. dollar prices to offset the variance in foreign currency. So I'd say I'd say the, the foreign exchange, uh, the freight, and in in some cases the uh, the cost of components. I'm not, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure on what the labor situation is in China, but it sounds like there's just a ton of demand for many many different types of products uh, and. So, I wouldn't be surprised if labor wages are also being impacted uh in the sense that they are going up in China. But I to be honest, I'm not that I'm not haven't really stayed that much in in touch with that.
0: I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. Sure. Um so the you talked about macroeconomic trends, right? Which is, you know, economics being, you know, the only thing uh that's worse than economics is like predicting You know what how to stop a pandemic those are the only people that are wrong more than economists okay (laughs) is the people that try to battle pandemics they're the only ones that are worse but economists are chronically wrong um i and, and they oftentimes i think what what you're seeing when you you're listening to economists is uh microeconomics being presented as macroeconomics i think what we're seeing in the world and specifically in the lighting business because the lighting business was one of the first industries to be globalized. So one of the first things to head over to China um, after in 1979 was light bulb manufacturing. That's one of the original things being made in Taiwan. They immediately moved the plants to the China and then China just ran with the lighting industry from incandescents to CFLs to mr 16s and then now they dominate LED, um, completely dominate the business. Um, but I think what we're seeing is the early signs of reverse globalization. So you're seeing countries that want to pull back on certain things, and there's going to be a ton of pain associated with that in terms of price increases in terms of supply availability of components i i don't think people understand how integrated the world economy is and specifically how integrated the lighting industry is with asia and specifically china they are completely integrated with one another and it, it's almost impossible to untangle but i think in the long run what you're going to see is there a a a force which pulls um which reverses globalization and reverses travel and more restrictions on borders and you're going to see more and more and more and more of this which will lead to higher prices less um uh less uh choice for consumers and so on and so forth that's my prediction how crazy do you think that is david
2: well when i think it's listen i think uh I think you know Trump when he came into power clearly he he definitely moved in that direction um and I think you see you see in England or in in the UK Brexit and so on and so mm-hmm. forth so I think there's you know I I think it's plausible definitely think it's plausible that com- that countries become more protectionist and as a result the flow of goods from a globalization standpoint um you know, become impeded, and, and certainly as a result, you know, you get uh, higher prices. Now, are consumers gonna be okay with that? You know, i.e., consumers slash voters gonna be okay with that? Uh, you know, judging by the shortage of, of, of capacity on, on ships today, makes, makes it seem like there's a lot of stuff still going out of China specifically. So, listen. I, I think it's you know we're manufacturing in Canada and we're 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 assembling uh, luminaires that make sense to assemble and we're 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 making our own boards for the products that make sense to make our own boards, um, and you know on on Lumen Trust is doing architectural lighting. It's 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 all very very customized. Uh, you know using extrusions and and light sources and and optics and so on and so forth. So it's all really made to order. Um, You know, Gabriel Scott is all, you know, handmade here in Montreal. Beautiful, um, beautiful, uh, you know, decorative lighting, uh, sort of signature pieces. So look, I think there's there's room for manufacturing in North America, in Europe and whatnot. Uh, I think there's some things that... Are going to continue to make sense importing, and I think there's going to be certain things that make sense to continue, whether it be assembly, or what, it, whatever, what, whatnot. You know, are we going to are we going to make chips in, in in the U.S. for LED lighting? I, I doubt it. Maybe in Mexico, I, I doubt that either. I think that's going to stay in Asia. You know, I, I don't I don't see that coming, being you know onshored. Maybe for something more military equipment or, you know, something more sophisticated than LED chips. Yeah. But for lighting, I I really doubt it.
0: It's going to be interesting to see, Greg, I I would say just to add add a name to that, that Biden's policy towards China is going to be likely very, very similar to Trump's, although there'll be less maybe viscosity in the language. I don't think that the the policy is going to change much. What's up, Greg?
1: So taking the last year into account and all the different companies that you run there, David, what product or product category had the most growth? Um,
0: Don't wow. say social distancing <laughs> signs, please. <laughs> what product had if, the if most you're comfortable saying,
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's one, was it like you sold more, whatever, architectural fixture or whatever? It can be general, but just in general, what had the best performance?
2: Um, okay, well, in what was has been a challenging year, uh, so uh, if we talk about just dollar sales volume, uh, obviously the pandemic has created a lot of issues for, let's say, Stantro, Begali, Aimlight, which are day-to-day products, emergency lighting, uh, industrial lighting, commercial lighting residential lighting. Definitely when Quebec closed the construction for close to two months in April and May, you know, our, 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 our sales were down 65, 50, 50 to 65%. So, so I would say the, the companies that weathered the best are Bigelli and Gabriel Scott um, because they're, uh, they're very integrated into the uh, design of the building. Uh, or the design of the space. And for whatever reason, you know, there's, I guess, a lot of projects on the go that didn't get canceled. And as a result, um, you know, their business, their business uh, was far less impacted if if maybe not even impacted by, by COVID. So I guess architectural, probably if we talk about a segment, I'd, I'd say architectural lighting was probably the, the best performer in our, in our portfolio of, of products. I have to think that through. Those... Get to that conclusion. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, that's good. Yeah. Do they, and the question I have is, is it retail at all? And then the re or is it commercial or residential? The reason I mean I'm asking that is because now that people are home, are they buying these fancy fixtures for their home? Cause they're there all the time. Does that have anything <laughs> to do with it or not? Is that totally. Um,
2: I'd say Gabriel Scott is, does a lot of residential. Uh, the commercial business that they would do is sort of hotels or, you know, a signature piece in your conference room or whatever it happens to be. But I think you can see how I housing has not been impacted. If anything, there's been a boom. And I think people have been spending a lot of money on their homes and upgrading, renovating. So on the resi side, I'd say it's really helped uh, Gabriel Scott. Um, and, um, on the Lumen Trust side, I, I, you'd have to think because a lot of that product goes into hotels, goes into retail stores. I mean, it goes to Resi, but it's not, you know, that's not the main market. Um, so you'd think the business would be off, but honestly, a lot of these projects are, are, you know that are still on paper are still going, and the ones that have started are continuing. So uh, I, for a while, I thought there'd be a lag. I'd say, okay, well, nobody's, you know, between, let's say, March 2020 and whatever, you know, till the end of, de- of last year, till the end of December, maybe people were not in the mood to go and and, uh, you know, start their projects that are on the board, but it, it doesn't look like that. What I have seen is, say, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of multi-sector projects where they have hotel, offices, uh, condos, retail. I've seen the office side be impacted, where they they're they're doing less office and they're doing more um, residential, multi-tenant residential. So they're they're adjusting their projects, but but the, we've seen a lot of. I, and I think also that like the business hotels have been really hurt. Any hotel that's been um, that's dependent on business travel on conventions uh, those guys are are dying and a lot of them will be dead and some of them are going to survive uh, but the but the uh, leisure hotel I think has been strong uh, you know I mean travel has impacted it obviously, but for the most part those are the guys that are going to bounce back there's i I was listening to your podcast um, Sorry, I can't remember his name, but a fellow from, from from the UK and uh and then he also talked about uh, Randy Reid's comment about things coming back and I feel exactly the same way as those guys. I think there's gonna come back with a vengeance. I think people are been stuck for it's probably gonna be a year and a half to two years. And when they can come out, they're gonna come out they're gonna come out with a vengeance. I think travel is gonna be massive. Um And so,
0: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, David, um, you know, I I think that's, you know, an interesting – that's an optimistic position. Um, I'm not – I I don't know if I fundamentally agree with that. I I don't know if it – I think there's going to be a – so with with the LED boom, what you're seeing is there's oversupply in the market. Is what you were talking about earlier in the conversation. There's too many people – in the in the in the channel that are you know whatever even if they have shipping delays there's still too many people in the channel selling to distributors too many distributors trying to go for the same projects and go for the same incentives um and that that clog up um i'm you know and i'm going to say this you don't have to agree i lay it squarely at the feet of the dlc i think they they're a huge factor in this problem their certification process allowing anyone to get certified um, I don't think their their standards were very well run, um, or their Q- QPL was very well run. Um, but I do hope the travel comes back. I'm not sure. I'm not as optimistic. I think I think you're going to see less travel significantly. I less. think
2: there's going to be I think there's going to be less business travel. Mm-hmm. But I think I think leisure is going to, for sure. I think there's going to be a there's going to be a wave of leisure travel. But I also think people learn. It's not so bad staying at home and it's not so bad living a more simple life. So, you know, that annual trip to Europe or, you know, or whatever to Hawaii or wherever it happens to be, you know, that that might get impacted as well. Um, You know, but I but I do think people are itchy to get out there and move around. And so when it's going to be safe to do that, I think we're going to see a lot of that happening.
0: David Nathaniel. Thank you for being a guest on the Get A Grip on Lighting Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate no it. Problem.
0: Yep. All the best.
2: Okay. All the best to you guys.
0: Ooh, Keystone Technologies. Yeah. They don't swim against the current. They keep it easy. That's right. Go to K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H dot com, Greggy. Keystone dot com.
1: Long history in the lighting world as we talked about it. Beginning with ballast and now all the way to the point where they're a leader, if not the leader in LED lighting. And I'm serious about that. They've come a long way. They've learned what the lighting industry told them that they needed. Make it easy for us. Give us product we need at a good price. Back it. Can you do that? Yes. And Keystone did it. And because of that, one of the most successful lighting companies in the business today.
0: You got to go to keystonetech.com. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-T-E-C-H.com. The easy folks, light made easy, Keystone Tech. And, of course, proud members of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. That's nail Nail.org. Get associated. Stay associated. Come on, man. What are you waiting for? Too much time listening to the Get a Grip on Lighting Podcast. You got to get in here get on it. Get after it. Go to Nail.org. And, of course, David Nathaniel, friend of the show, Thanks for coming on. Always love to have you, man. It's always good to hear your voice. And I'm glad to see that you guys are doing well through all this um, virus situation and that and that you're you're growing and that your company is strong. And that's always good to hear, isn't it, Craig?
1: Oh, for sure. You can learn a lot from a guy like David, and hopefully you did today.
0: Thanks for listening, folks. You know we always love you guys. Bye for now.